Hello, and welcome to On Your Left, the politics podcast that's probably to your left. My name is Katrina Ames, and I use she, them pronouns. And I'm Narali Shath. I use she, her pronouns. We are in your uh, podcast feeds every Wednesday, so be sure to hit the follow button and tell all your friends if you want to get the latest in politics uh, and mango news. And probably Taylor Swift news. Our podcast is equally all of those things. <laughs> and if you want to help us bring you the news, you can go to patreon.com slash onyourleftpod and help support this podcast. Yeah, it would it would really be nice to, if, if you're in the giving mood this giving season, give to patreon.com slash onyourleftpod. It will qualify as a Christmas gift to either of us. Just throwing it out yes. there. Um... <laughs> So I've finally given up and have just accepted that we need to have COVID updates in every episode instead of trying to find something not remotely related to the thing I think about 100% of the time. That's valid. So welcome to our new opening segment, COVID updates. We're doing it first so we can get through it and then talk about everything else. (laughs) Yep. So on Friday, December 4th, 2020, a national single day record was set with more than 226,000 new cases and hospitalizations topped over 100,000, more than double the number of hospitalizations at the beginning of November, we have seen some uh, areas completely shut down again. Uh, I believe all of LA is currently under a stay-at-home order again, unless you have to do things that involves making money or spending money. I hate capitalism. Right? So much. Like, I I just, I hate it so much because this is why we have, we, we have had more cases than any other country. This, like, it's because all of the policies to shut down are half-assed and half-done because the government refuses to give people money to stay the fuck home for a minute. It is absolutely okay to shut down shopping malls. It's fine. Yeah. Like, I understand that Christmas is coming, and so, and, like, businesses need that money, but businesses could get that money from the government if the government could pass the HEROES Act, or anything, or, like, anything at this point. Yeah. There are, like, a few bills up right now. Um, Mitch McConnell set forth a bill. Uh, There's a bipartisan compromise also that might get voted on. But mostly, we just need relief from this huge crisis that doesn't involve us going out to die or spread a deadly virus. Luckily, even though everything is terrible, we also do have some good news as vaccines are coming. It's pretty widely known at this point that healthcare workers and the frailest of the elderly will almost certainly get the first shots of a coronavirus vaccine. Um, who will receive the second round is currently being debated. States uh, will determine if the elderly or non-healthcare essential workers will be next in line for the vaccine. Um, I really hate that we have to, like, figure out a priority list of who needs this absolutely necessary vaccine more, but that's just the way it is because of the supply of the vaccine. Hopefully, the companies will be able to ramp up development as we know uh, which vaccines we will be using. Um, But these are two really different theories of how to stop this virus. Um, But yeah, I also hate that we have to do this. Yeah, at least no one is saying rich people should get it first because they can spend money on the vaccine. Yeah. I have not seen that. Knock on wood. I'm... Because that's what I was dreading. I was really dreading that, like, well, if the vaccine is expensive and you should have to pay for the vaccine, and basically the capitalist argument for eugenics. I do think whatever states do, both uh, either vaccinating all of the elderly without pre-existing conditions or vaccinating non-healthcare essential workers, both have really interesting... uh, are both possibly good plans. Uh, 
vaccinating all of the elderly first does probably means that fewer people will die. Um, whereas vaccinating non-healthcare essential workers like people who work in gas stations and grocery stores, uh, bank tellers, will probably slow the spread uh, because yeah. they'll be interacting with more people. So they're both strategies. And I don't necessarily think that either are bad. It just depends on how this whole thing is conducted, really, and how we decide and plan for this uh, vaccine to actually be put out into the world. Yeah, I'm also curious. I just haven't researched the vaccine. Um, and also, I was an English major, and I don't know science much. But um, I am very curious about how the vaccine interacts with people with pre-existing conditions and obviously certain immunocompromised people can't get a vaccine um so i'm like very curious about that whole aspect to it of like people who would not be able to cope with side effects of the vaccine and things like that it's still gonna take a lot of time to figure that out because we would yeah. be applying for emergency authorization i mean we don't know how kids react to the vaccine yet or how effective it is in children yet and I've met kids, they're germy. Like, they're germy in regular mm -hmm. times. Yeah, there's a reason why teachers get sick a lot their first year of teaching. <laughs> a panel of independent experts advising the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention has recently recommended that healthcare workers and residents of nursing homes and other long-term care facilities should be the first Americans to receive the coronavirus vaccinations. And although, uh, States don't necessarily have to follow CDC uh, guidelines with this. I am willing to bet that most states will. Um, yeah. That at the very least, healthcare workers will definitely get it. And if some people want to advocate for killing grandmas again, Hopefully they will suffer the consequences of their actions and also grandmas don't die. Yeah. Um, hang on. There was a really great article about uh, from the New York Times about like who of, of like the whole prioritization situation. And um, they also mentioned a population that we haven't mentioned yet, which is the prison population, um, which really needs the vaccine because... Um, the way the coronavirus has transmitted through prison populations is horrifying. And yeah, I think horrifying is the only word for it. And they aren't they, like, we know that prison population is treated subhuman. So um, it would be really nice if they could get a vaccine because they weren't able to get anything else. Ensuring that people who are currently incarcerated or just in jail awaiting trial receive the vaccine would absolutely slow the spread as this when you're put in close quarters with other people when you can't socially distance you can't wear masks you're maybe don't have adequate supplies um and resources for soap and hand sanitizer people are getting sick so many people are getting sick and then the people who work in the jail will go back home and spread it to their families and their communities. And then also people who, I don't know, were decided to not be guilty or had enough money in the bail fund, um, bailed them out, could also have contracted the virus there and spread it again to the rest of our communities. We, when we fail vulnerable populations, we fail everyone. Mm -hmm. um, so the UK uh, has approved Pfizer's coronavirus vaccine, becoming the first country in the world to authorize a fully tested coronavirus vaccine and will likely be the first to begin mass inoculation um, or mass vaccinations. That's really exciting. Um, I'm really happy for my friends in the UK who might get to survive this Um as bad as that sounds. Yeah, the hard part about being an internet person is that your friends are all over the world, but I'm really happy for them. Yeah, I'm kind of worried that if anybody stops tweeting uh, for more than like a couple days that they're dead. And I don't like that. Yeah, it's, it's, 
I'm, I'm so glad that people are going to get vaccinated very, very soon. And it's probably still going to be the frontline healthcare workers, the people who are most um, at risk because they are treating coronavirus patients um, and other vulnerable populations. But I'm still really excited because I, I want people to be vaccinated and this vaccine has been tested and has proven safe so far. Yeah. And that's great. It's fantastic. Um, and uh, the reason why the U.S. Uh, hasn't approved the vaccine yet is because the FDA, instead of um, simply reading what the uh, pharmaceutical company has presented as their research, they kind of recreate the research from scratch and they go through the data far more thoroughly. Um, and this is a good thing. Um, I think we were talking about how like both ways of doing it are good. Um, and I don't mind them being more thorough, honestly. And the UK doesn't normally look into specific uh, studies for efficacy unless there were anomalies found in the study. I don't know if I disagree with that, but I do understand this is emergency authorization and it also could be revoked uh, if something goes wrong, but I'm kind of just hoping that nothing goes wrong. Yeah, I think everyone's hoping that nothing goes wrong, um, but I don't, on this side of things, I personally don't mind waiting a little bit longer for the FDA to approve um, and, you know, read everything thoroughly. I don't mind that, especially because of the amount of skeptics in America and when it comes to vaccines. I think this is the first disease that had an anti-vax movement before there was a vaccine. Yeah, um, a very famous actress who was in a movie I really love um, came out against the vaccine because um, it has something called luciferase in it, which um, comes from the word luce in Latin, which means light. But she heard the word Lucifer and was like, I'm not taking the vaccine. So Luciferase, as a scientific term, is just kind of a generic term for a group of oxidative enzymes that produce bioluminescence. It's literally about the fact that these enzymes can help produce bioluminescence. It's technically something that could be already existing in humans in small amounts. Mm -hmm. I, it's possible and I just, uh... Luciferase is in you. Maybe we just gotta stop using Latin. Will that help? Should we... Just like, yeah, can we use Greek instead? What's the Greek word for light? Phos. What was that? How's Phos? it spelled? Um, Phos? Yeah. This is what happens when you get two people with ADHD. I think we can all agree that this anti-science, anti-vaccine movement built on just a confusion about what words mean and not actually the fact that people are dying, uh, is bad. Mm -hmm. We have another new segment today. Uh, this segment will now be replacing the one from the election, Biden. He's our first choice now. Welcome to Biden. He's the president-elect now. Yeah. Now we, now we have to just kind of deal with him that we do that we do and he was recently under quite a bit of criticism for saying <clears throat> uh quoting the speech and also exactly what he put on twitter that has spread widely my dad used to say joey i don't expect the government to solve my problems but i expect it to understand my problems folks out there aren't looking for a handout they just need help they're in trouble through no fault of their own and they need us to understand End of quote. Also, <laughs> I for one expect the government to solve problems. I don't think that's a radical idea. I mean, I expect the government to fill potholes. That's a problem that I want them to solve. And it is my problem when I am driving a car and my tire gets stuck in a pothole. So. This sounds specific and recent. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't like potholes. <laughs> yeah. 
that the government is literally in the business of solving problems, whether that be um, addressing this virus, addressing the economic fallout from the virus, uh, I don't know, structural problems like I don't, institutional racism, which the government largely created as well, wealth inequality, uh, responding to and creating workers' rights so that we can all work in safe and workplaces like literally the government is supposed to be solving these problems and instead we're all out here trying to solve the problems because they haven't joe biden ran on a platform of solving problems we th this entire time this whole election since biden got the nomination we've been discussing joe biden and how he was going to solve our problems, and all of his plans to do that. And now he's saying, well, I, they just want us to understand their problems, which no, the job of a candidate is to understand the problems. The job of a president is to solve those problems. We're past the time of understanding the problem. You had a platform about understanding our problems, and now it is time to actually address it. Making sure, like, even the COVID vaccine rollout goes well and people get that. That is solving a problem. Ensuring that we get out of the space where one in eight households don't have enough food to eat is a problem that the government should step in and help solve. At no point is just understanding the problem enough. The problem of student debt and the fact that the government allowed organizations to take advantage of students in such a ridiculous way. I expect the government to solve that. I very much so align with um, what Bree Newsom Bass wrote about this speech on Twitter, so I'm just going to read off uh, part of her thread. <clears throat> the point of paying taxes to the government is so the government can solve these kinds of problems. It's not a handout. It's our tax money. The idea that we must distinguish between who is poor through no fault of their own and who isn't is also problematic and not aligned with the Christian values the USA claims to hold so dear. We never applied this morality test to the corporations that have received more relief than the people have. Yep. Jesus said to take care of the poor. He didn't ask if it was their fault. Yeah. Jesus didn't say take care of the poor corporations. I know that because corporations didn't exist when <laughs> Jesus did. Also, personally, I am asking for a handout. I would like another round of stimulus checks so that people can pay their rent and buy food and take care of their families. I think that's a problem that is solvable and also technically a handout because we're all suffering right now except for the uber wealthy that somehow managed to profit off of everyone dying. Yeah, Bezos is making a lot of money. I don't know anyone else who is. Yeah. I don't know anyone else who believes their life has improved in 2020. Yes. <laughs> Can you think of a single person whose life has improved by this year and this virus? Yeah. Um, and as we all know, Jeff Bezos is personally banned from listening to this podcast. Yeah. I don't think he'd want to. I just want to make sure that he knows he's not allowed. Correct. If Jeff Bezos, don't listen to this. Go away. We don't want you here. Redistribute your wealth. The second thing you wanted to talk about for uh, Biden, he's the president-elect now, is a New nomination for the Director of Office of Management and Budget by Biden, um, Neera Tanden, who was the former president of the Center for American Progress, and who is a controversial pick. Yeah, Neera Tanden sucks. I just learned about who Neera Tanden is today. I have no personal opinion in this. But from what I've seen, it does appear... That a lot of people think she sucks. Neera Tandon sucks, but the um, center... Uh, I, I, 
I really don't want to call them center left because they're just the center. Um, the centrists in the Democratic Party like her because she's Indian American and was the president of the Center for American Progress and um, like campaigned with Hillary Clinton back in 08. You know, like on paper, sounds great. Sounds like a great female diversity pick sort of situation qualified, you know. But Neera Tandon sucks. <laughs> We talked a lot about this when we were going over Biden's plans when he said he wanted to build an administration that looked like the rest of America. Because just including people for diversity doesn't mean they're necessarily good picks. It doesn't mean they're the best pick. But also, it's super insulting to just... to not acknowledge the fact that there are so many people of color and so many women who have been leading these fields for so long without getting any credit but also not telling us how these people will push an agenda that betters our lives. Yeah. So, um, here's why Neera Tandon sucks. In 2008, she physically assaulted a journalist after, she, after he questioned Hillary Clinton on an Iraq war vote. She said... I didn't slug him, I pushed him, because the headlines at the time were saying she punched him. She pushed him. Still assault. Um, <laughs> she also, uh, more recently, in uh, 2016, outed a her survivor of sexual harassment at an all-staff meeting when she was president of the Center for American Progress. Um, and... Uh, Tandon apologized for this and profusely apologized, according to reports. However, um, the survivor, who is known as Mary in a BuzzFeed report, um, left the Center for American Progress in October of 2016, and in her exit memo, she wrote, On several occasions, myself and others on the team felt as if reporting had been a mistake and that the retaliation Worsening of already tenuous team dynamics and treatment by survivors outweighed the seemingly positive act of reporting sexual harassment in the workplace. Basically saying they were treated like crap. People already go through so much to try to make the workplace a safer place. Uh, and by reporting sexual harassment that happens within the workplace, which is of course always inexcusable. But... Everyone knows when they report that there's a risk of retaliation, but it is up to the people in power to ensure that there isn't and to support people coming forward with these reports because that is the only way to make a workplace that is safe for everyone and productive. Yeah, it's so incredibly brave whenever anyone speaks up about their sexual assault. And for that bravery to be diminished by, not just diminished, but retaliated against, um, is horrifying, and Neera Tandon oversaw that. I have yet to hear anything positive about Neera Tandon since she was nominated to be the director of the Office of Management and Budget. And that worries me, because I heard a lot of positive things about the other nominees. I mean, I don't necessarily- I also heard some criticism. I don't necessarily think any of these nominees are the most progressive people in the world or the best suited, but I heard some good things about them and some negative things. And I have only seen negative things, and I'm very worried about that. The reason why you may have seen only negative things about Neera Tandon um, is because both of us are on Twitter a lot. Um, this is an understatement. Um, <laughs> and uh, this is something Neera Tandon has in common with us. Um, she deleted over 1,000 partisan tweets attacking both Republicans and both Republicans and Democrats to the left of her um, recently when she was uh, announced as the nominee. And um, we're on the left and we like Bernie Sanders. She famously feuded with Bernie Sanders and made a lot of people on the left angry 
um, and also feuded with others on the left who weren't in politics at all. They were just tweeting, um, which I like. I know that we have had four years of a person in power tweeting and being ridiculous online, but I think we should hold ourselves to slightly higher standards. Yeah, I, uh, I'm pretty partisan on Twitter, but I'm not trying to get a top spot in the president's cabinet. And I also don't have anybody, uh, writing articles about me saying my unremorseful bullying should disqualify me from serving in the cabinet. So yeah, that's, uh, the end of the segment. Near attendance sucks. I really hope the Biden team finds someone else anyone else i honestly feel like uh, you you can find another indian american woman to do this job like you can there are enough of us that's literally the only thing people are praising about Neera Tandon that I've seen online, like the politician, like, because we talked last week about how the uh, Democratic Party has really fallen in line, um, where like the second Biden announces a pick, like Democrats are praising it. The only praise I've seen has been like Kamala Harris saying like, we have very similar backgrounds, <laughs> which I don't feel like is enough. I feel like no Warren and Castro praising people not just for their diversity but for the actions they have taken as government employees matters way way more than someone just checking a box. Yeah, this this like feels like a gross diversity hire. It's not that I think she's unqualified for the position either. Like on paper she is qualified to ha- hold a pol- a government position in a cabinet because she was the director for the Center for American Progress and she campaigned for Hillary Clinton. And, you know, like, sure. But the actions you took while in those jobs disqualify you. I, I feel like maybe there should have been maybe more thorough vetting uh, because I haven't seen any responses to these actions yet there's no there hasn't been any like solidarity for with with near tandon which is concerning but i think maybe now we should move on to our main topic which is somehow still the election we're still talking about this yeah i'm so sick of talking about it when will it be over As of this recording, every state except three have finished up their election certifications and the deadline to certify is coming up in the next week. So it's real close. We're almost there. There is some good news uh, in this election news. Um, Almost 160 million Americans voted this year, which is 66.7% of the voting eligible population that cast a vote, which is the highest percentage since 1900. Highest percentage in over 100 years. And that's two-thirds of the American people voting. And we should say, back in 1900, the electorate was significantly smaller because... Yeah, a lot of people couldn't vote. A lot of people couldn't Black vote. Black people couldn't vote. All women, uh, all women, most Native Americans, pretty much every Asian, really just non-white men. It also blows out some more modern uh, record-breaking vote totals uh, that we saw in JFK's election and Barack Obama's, which, I don't know, I like this whole two-thirds of the voting eligible population voting thing. I think we should keep doing it. Yeah, I think it's fantastic, and um, I think we should we shouldn't just keep doing it. We should work to expand to one hundred percent of the population of the voting eligible population. Um, and I think we should also expand the voting eligible population. Yes, I'd uh, I'd be really interested to see more felon voting rights. Uh, there's a group of very interesting. Uh, 
youth rights organizers trying to lower the voting age to 16. And I am interested. Yeah. Um, I was a month away from turning 18 um, for when Barack Obama, Barack Obama ran for a second term. I was very angry that I couldn't vote. I would love to see that happen. I think young people are more informed now than they ever have been and know more than they ever have and should be able to vote. I think felons should be able to vote because they are still human beings, goddammit, and are still American citizens. I think the path to citizenship in America should be made easier and more immigrants should be able to vote. There's a lot we can do to expand this electorate. And it is all really important that we keep working to expand the electorate, uh, especially as we have seen people specifically try to stop us from voting, not just this year, but they're already working to stop us from voting next year. Or in the Georgia Senate election, if you live in Georgia. Uh, President Trump recently campaigned in Valdosta, Georgia, on behalf of the state's two Republican senators, Kelly Loeffler and David Perdue. This was his first major public appearance since the November 3rd election, and he decided to falsely claim the election was rigged and that he had won. Which, sir, if we were going to cheat, you would have lost by a lot more. Yeah. We would have taken the Senate. We would have won in a landslide if we if we cheated. This is I'm like, I'm just so bored of Donald Trump right now. Like, I don't think I've ever been more bored of him and his antics. I've been horrified. I've been embarrassed for our country. I've never been bored. This is boring now. He's running the same exact playbook he has been for over a month now because he has nothing else to say. I mean, he claimed the election was rigged when he won in 2016. Like, yeah, I would say that no one believes him. But unfortunately, at that same rally, the Republican senators were actually shouted down as the crowd chanted fight for Trump. So I guess not everyone is bored by it and that it appears to be working somehow. Yeah, when you're, when you're not loyal enough to the cult leader, this is what happens. I do think the fact uh, that they are telling their voters that voting doesn't matter because the election is rigged is a bad thing for, you know, democracy, uh, because it will discourage them from voting and making their voice heard up and down the ballot and participating in meaningful ways in our society. But also, I hope this means that we win. <laughs> yeah, um, I did. Uh, I saw a video from an organizer in Georgia the other day um, where she discussed uh, talking to Republicans about um, Ossoff and Warnock and voting for them. And she said that the major uh, the thing that really swayed Republican voters uh, was the um corruption argument because Kelly Loeffler especially is incredibly corrupt. Um her family literally owns the New York Stock Exchange and she is by far the wealthiest member of the Senate. Yeah, so people are saying is if she's so rich why does she why does she need to run? Why doesn't she just like get things done with all the money she has? <laughs> Which uh but it's Wade voters. She used her position of power to get insider information at the beginning of the pandemic and sell off stocks, not help her constituents. She's terrible. Just the worst. <laughs> but it's also hilarious that their base is now going against them because they aren't pro-Trump enough. Honestly, I still think, you know, we should work to make sure that we win Georgia, but now I'm kind of shifting my attention to what's going on in the state legislatures, um, especially as some states will have state legislature races next year. Quoting the New York Times, Republicans at the state level are vowing to enact a new round of voting restrictions to prevent what they claim, without evidence, is widespread fraud. 
which means they are going to try to make it harder to vote. So many people were lucky this year that voting was made easier, either voting by mail, uh, drop box locations for your mail-in ballots, early voting, and they are trying to take that away from us and make it so fewer people can vote, and that is wrong. State legislatures are extremely important because um, they determine a lot more than you think they do. Um, you remember uh, when Republicans were all about states' rights and nothing else, right? Yeah. They, they, that's when they made it so that um, states determine so much. They did For my state right now, we just... The state just determined that uh, marijuana is now legal in my state. Uh, states determined gay marriage for a very, very long time before the Supreme Court um, made it a federal law. States determine so much. State legislatures are overwhelmingly Republican uh, in a lot of places. And that means if they really wanted to uh, redraw the census maps, uh, and gerrymander the hell out of their districts so that they never lose, they could. They could make it more difficult for us to vote and to vote them out. I am very determined to make sure that we will not let the Republican Party steal this election that we're somehow still fighting, or the next one. <laughs> um, so let's, Yeah, so uh, how can we act? Uh, look, most importantly, Talk to your state legislators about protecting and expanding voting rights in your state. Your state legislator has probably is from your community. Um, there's, they are in charge of drawing the election maps. They are in charge of figuring out your state's voting laws, they are in charge of protecting your right to vote. Make sure that they know that it is a priority this year. Yeah, be annoying about it because it's going to matter so much. Um, it's also so much easier to get in touch with state legislators than it is to get in touch with, like, your senators and stuff. Um, but if it gives you anxiety to talk to people, you can still email them and, you know, talk to them in other ways. So, yeah, there's really no excuse not to talk to your state legislators about this and about any other issues you have regarding what's happening in your state. Yeah. State legislators tend to be pretty responsive uh, because they are have because they have such a small constituency, uh, comparatively. I mean, I'm like Facebook friends with my state representative. It's not hard. I love that. They're usually just nice people that care about their community and want to make sure that their state reflects their community's values. And the values should include voting. Yeah, I mean, and also it's like, it's a win for state legislators to uh, promote voting and try and try to expand the electorate because that electorate will then vote for them because they gave them voting rights. <laughs> it's, it's a win. It's a win-win. Um, yeah. So uh, the other thing you can do is go to gasenate.com and donate to the Georgia Senate runoffs and automatically split your donation between Raphael Warnock, John Ossoff, and Fair Fight Action. Um, we need those Senate seats. We will not be able to get much done without those Senate seats. I cannot stress how important this election is. Yeah. There's there's so much we can do. Um, we spent so much of this year talking about what we could do, provided that we win the presidencies, keep the House, and win the Senate. And we're two out of three right now, so we really need these last two seats if we're going to move forward and build that progressive agenda 
or even just the centrist agenda that some of us have been yeah. dreaming of. Yeah. Like, I don't want the centrist agenda, but, like, I'll take it over whatever, of over just complete obstruction, which is what Mitch McConnell has been doing for so long. I just, I just want to see that gavel out of Mitch McConnell's hands. So please okay. take action. Uh, but for now, yeah. let's move on to some good things. Because a lot... Yay, good things. We have a lot of good we news have a lot of this good week. Th- it's so much. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> okay. So um, do you want to talk about the first one? Yeah. Um, to start our good news this week, a federal judge ordered the Trump administration to fully restore the DACA program. DACA stands for Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. Uh, This court ruling would allow potentially up to 300,000 undocumented Americans to apply for protection from deportation. We still need a legislative solution to make this protection permanent and offer everyone covered under DACA a path to citizenship. But this is overwhelmingly good news because these are our friends, our community members, our students, our parents, our teachers, like... And they were just children who came here at some point and belong here because this is their home. Yeah, this is people. People getting to stay in their homes is always a good thing. Yeah, I'm very happy about this. Um, so the second piece of good news is um. I think mixed news, I think, not nece- not not good, but very satisfying news. Um, and it's that uh, Rudy Giuliani, the president's personal lawyer, former mayor of New York, just utter buffoon, um, has COVID-19. He has it now. And um, I think he is going to be getting the same treatment that Donald Trump did. One of the reasons this is satisfying is that Rudy Giuliani, Rudy Giuliani specifically pushed information about coronavirus contact tracing um, and tweeted about like fake COVID-19 drug information and basically just used a position of power to lie to people and made it more dangerous for everyone because some people believed his lies. Rudy Gi- what, what Rudy Giuliani did this year and the past few years just as Donald Trump's personal lawyer is pretty unforgivable. He is responsible for the deaths of millions. As is Donald Trump. But he was a massive part of it. And, um... Yeah, it's I don't I wouldn't wish COVID-19 on anyone. But it is a little bit satisfying to see someone who lied and lied and lied about this to get it. I'm not like the best person in the world, so <laughs> look, I don't want anyone to get COVID. I would like us to stop getting this disease and us all to, you know, live happy and healthy lives. But I'm not sad that Rudy Giuliani got it. I'm not gonna waste my sadness on him. I'm plenty sad about other things. I have other people that I actually care about have COVID, so I... I'm okay that this person that ostensibly helped spread this disease and made the situation worse eventually caught it. All right. Do you want to talk about this really fun good news? Yes. Oh, my God. So (laughs) I am not really a K-pop stan. Uh, I think it's fun. I listen to the music sometimes. But the South Korea National Assembly recently passed something that has been nicknamed the BTS Law, a revision of the country's Military Service Act, which would let top K-pop stars like Jin, the oldest member of BTS, postpone their military service until they turn 30. Yay. I'm always pro-people not going into the military, so this is great. (laughs) I mean, he's still going to have to. (laughs) I I really, I'm just really not a fan of forced military service in general, but um, this, 
I was I was telling Katrina before, this really reminds me of when um, fans protested against Elvis getting drafted into the military. Um, and this time it worked. Just imagine all of the joy that uh, people around the world will experience from years more of BTS. Those boys are so talented. Um, uh, yeah, I I am not my personally a BTS stan, but I I know a lot of BTS stans because we have shared fandoms, and I'm very happy for them. I'm very happy for anyone who doesn't have to go into the military soon. Yeah, this is this is great news. I am so glad that we got uh. I think this is a really great example of fan activism and how powerful we are when we work together. Yeah. I do hope that um, fans can see a little bit beyond just K-pop stars um, and work towards ending um, the military service in general. Because that would be amazing, too. But we'll just take this one step at a time. Yeah, one step at a time. BTS fans are doing amazing. Like, they've done a lot of good work. This year especially, just... This year especially. They've done so much good work. Our last piece of good news isn't exactly good news, but uh, you put it in as solidarity for the farmers in India. So, what's going on in India? Okay, so there's good and bad news here. The bad news is that, like, Narendra Modi's in power and the BJP is in power. Um, The good news is that uh, farmers in India, uh, mostly specifically from Haryana and Punjab, um, are protesting by the hundreds of thousands. Um, And uh, they have been since July, but they have now gone to New Delhi and have basically shut down the capital of India with these protests. Um, And this is the biggest movement against the BJP India has seen since Narendra Modi took office. Um, If you don't know, the BJP stands for the Bharatiya Jantia Party, and it is... Bharatiya Janta Party, and it is the right-wing party of India and it has been in power and Narendra Modi is part of this party and they have been um, really a Hindu nationalist party but um, and there have been like protests against them for a very long time however finally they decided to go after farmers 60% of Indians rely on agriculture to make a living and the new laws that have been proposed by the BJP would favor corporations and mega billionaires like Mogesh Ambani over the average farmer. So you can imagine this is going to affect 60% of the population and it is trying to favor the, the like, I cannot understate how powerful Mogesh Ambani is and how powerful the Ambani family is in India. Like, this is favoring the richest of the rich. Like, this is favoring the Jeff Bezoses of India over the common farmer. It is huge. This is such a massive protest, and I just wanted to express solidarity and um, say that we're with you, you know? It's, it's amazing, and it's an incredible leftist movement that's happening in India. Yeah. I, uh, I think it's really cool that a bunch of farmers from all over the country basically rode their tractors into New Delhi and blocked off all the highways. Mm-hmm. I Visually stunning. Just great yes. statement. Um, but as for the specific policies, yeah, they're not great. They're going to hurt a yeah. lot of people if these con- policies continue. So I hope that the government will negotiate with these farmers who were not consulted on these new policies. Yeah. Um, I also want to shout out Diljit Dosanjh in this. He is an Indian musician and actor um, who has been on Twitter recently railing against the BJP and Narendra Modi and uh, being very pro-farmer. 
and calling other superstars out on their hypocrisy with this. And it's really incredible to see. And he's just a great person. Um, and his interviews are very funny and good. Um, and yeah, I now stand and uh, stand the Ljito Sanjh because of this. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's it's just really great to see because so much of Bollywood is silent about politics or they're like implicitly pronouncing their Modi. Um, it's really it like I it's really brave of him to do that. Cool. Yeah. Uh, I have no further comment on this story. <laughs> I have nothing to add here. So, uh, what's our mango fact this week, Norali? All right. Our mango fact is um, that the word mango originated from the Malayalam word manna via the Dravidian Tamil language word, which is mangai, which is really fun. Um, yeah, the language that, um, like, my my home language is Gujarati, and, like, it, it, which is a Sanskrit-based language, um... And it's really cool to realize that, like, something comes from the South Indian language, languages, um, and the Dravidian and Tamil languages. That's really cool. That, like, a word that's as common as mango comes from that. That is rad. If you want to hang out with us throughout the week, you can find me at Katrina Ames on Twitter, YouTube, TikTok, and Twitch. Uh, where can we find you, Norelli? Um, you can find me at Firewood Sparkler on uh, Twitter, YouTube, and Twitch. I am going back to streaming. I took, like, a couple weeks off because I didn't have spoons. But I, I have them again. So I'll be streaming thrice a week again. Yay, spoons! Um, yay. You can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash onyourleftpod. Um, and you can also hang out with us on Twitter at onyourleftpod. This has been the On Your Left pod about the elections still, I guess. And also a lot of other things. <laughs> we covered a lot. This was a mixed, this was like a grab bag episode, kind of. Yes. Just right. everything. Just everything. Have a great week, everyone. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> <laughs>